Welcome back, you lovely people, here at the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast Warp Zone. You're in the Warp Zone with me, your host, Donald Wonder, and my co host, with the most out of hell, once again, James Daniel Walsh. Can you all hear me now? We can hear you loud and clear. Brother, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. I'm back from a holiday. Thank you guys for all the birthday wishes. It was amazing. In fact, my trip was too good. I came back to my home country, UK, and now I feel even more depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Greece, Corfu, lovely city. Let's not bore you guys with the details. I'm not even trying to humble brag. I haven't been on holiday for like seven years. So, you know, it was my 40th, had a great time, and I really appreciate the well wishes. In fact, we even got a care package from a listener that was absolutely amazing that, James, I had to pass on to you as well. Did you see it, James? I did. It was very impressive. Wow. We need a P.O. box because that's the kind of gifts we're going to get. But oh, my mm-hmm. God. <laughs> I even had to forward it to some of the patrons just because it was a link. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it was a very, very, very gracious and generous link. Thank you very much. It was very on point for the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, moving on, um, there's a couple of updates I want to alert you guys to. Number one, the comment section video that I made has been going really well, except for one wrinkle. (laughs) I don't know why. You guys are leaving comments, and I love the comments. There was one comment, um, because the last movie we discussed, someone actually gave us some behind-the-scenes info, but then the comment was deleted. I'm like, guys, this is like the third time someone's left a comment and deleted it. Why? I want other people to see the comments as well, guys. Come on, don't delete them. Don't be shy. I will leave a link to the comment video down below. And we're trying to consolidate all the comments you guys make on Spotify and Amazon Music because this podcast is sold to so many other places. Just in case you're wondering why, comment all your comments on anything. Behind the scenes info you may have ideas or criticisms or anything about the podcast leave it in that link down below um james i didn't tell you about it just because there was a comment i wanted you to see and then they deleted it well we'll we'll get the tech issues figured out we want to hear from all of you about what your your thoughts are on the podcast yep second up i've been working on a little 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 project little thing that i'm not going to go into on this episode because I, i need time to explain what it's all about and at the end of this episode I'm going to play a little game of James that is the prelude to it. So stay tuned for the next episode of Not Woody Actually. It's just the other podcast I do where I kind of answer your comments, your questions, and kind of give you guys updates on the podcast. So stay tuned for that as well. The last thing I want to update you guys on is a lot of people saying, you know, I know you guys got a Patreon. I'm happy to support, but I do not want to join Patreon for whatever reason. So there's another kind of tip jar thing called coffee that is just a one-time payment thing. By the time you hear this recording, I would have set it up already. So if you guys do not want to join Patreon and you just want to give a one-off contribution and be done, I am humbled that you would even want to do that. Thank you so much. We'll put that coffee link. It seems to be very popular. I don't know if you've ever heard of this platform, James. Coffee? I have not. Okay. Well, it's a platform one-off payment. If you're happy to contribute and support us, I will do it. And just to thought you guys, you know, I'm always happy you guys are even happy to even help us in any shape, way, shape or form. Blah, 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 blah. I hate doing preamble, James. I really do. But I have to. Anyway, <laughs> do you have any updates, James, before we continue? Uh, I do. Uh, apparently, there has been a question that's been asked for quite a while about my top 10 Woody Allen movies. Hey. And... I have compiled my list after finishing watching the few Woody Allen movies that I hadn't already seen. And that will be being, uh, will get recorded next week and uh, posted sometime soon. Cool. On that note, I think I've caught up on everything I want to. I will do the rest in that other Not Woody Actually podcast. Stay tuned for that. And without further ado, let's move on with another episode of Woody Allen Adjacent. On the last episode, we actually spoke about the movie that was written and directed by Charlie Day, which was Fool's Paradise. Mm-hmm. If you want to go back and listen to that, 
go back into our archives. If you haven't subscribed already, please consider subscribing. We're on Spotify. Everything I've listed before, Android, Apple, you can do that. But now we're going to go with a movie that I have chosen. James, would you mind introducing the movie and giving us a short synopsis? This is a recent movie, came out this year, called Maybe I Do, directed by Michael Jacobs, uh, written by him as well and based on a play that he wrote. The movie stars Diane Keaton, Richard Gere, Susan Sarandon, and William H. Macy. Yeah, what a star-studded cast. It's lovely to see Diane Keaton again. Again, she's an actress that's never stopped working. I've seen her in so many things over the years. The last thing, just as a little aside, the last thing I saw Diane Keaton in was in that series with Jude Law, The Young Pope. Yes, uh-huh. Did you ever watch that series? I did watch it. You know what? <laughs> I love that series, but it disturbed me. <laughs> it really just she had a fantastic role in that. And how did you feel about that series anyway? Uh it was pretty pretty wild. So I enjoyed it. I never saw the sequel series with uh John Malkovich. Oh really? There was one. I didn't know that. There was. It's I think it's called The New Pope or something like that. Yeah, I, I've not seen that, but I did very much enjoy the young pope. You know, we've been doing a string of recent movies because before it's like we were stuck in the 90s. Now I feel like this year we've done, is it three films set in this year, 2023? I think at least three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this one, have you ever have you ever heard of this movie before I brought this to you? No, I hadn't heard of it before and I was surprised I had because I this time I, did, I didn't even look at what the movie was before I watched it. So I, uh, I turned it on, I started it up and the first thing they do is they... You know, they actually had a title sequence, which I haven't seen that in forever. Mm. But um, they tell you who the the main cast is. And I'm like, how have I never heard of this movie? This is a huge cast. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can go first, James. I want to hear, you know, you've been taken by surprise. I put this for, I, I want to be full disclosure. I didn't actually even find this movie. My sister recommended it to me. And just like you, James, I was actually flabbergasted. I never heard of this movie, especially with all the um, talent involved. So James, watching Maybe I Do, what did you think? This was one of the most enjoyable movies I've watched for this series. I actually really liked it. It was, first of all, I was so, I was surprised to see William H. Macy because he's one of those actors where I'll sometimes wonder what happened to him. Because mm. he used to be in everything. And recently, I don't know if he's just slowed down or what's been going on, but I, I can't even remember the last movie I saw him in. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this at, and the, I like the structure of the movie, uh, because the first, when it first started, I thought what we were going to get was three separate stories because we're cutting back and forth between these, uh, three couples and I guess I'll, I, I will just get into what the movie is about. We see William H. Basie and Diane Keaton have a meet, meet cute in uh, a movie theater. And they're two married people. They almost uh, sleep together, but they don't. But they do have like an emotional affair. Uh, we see Richard Gere and Susan Sarandon in a hotel room. They are having an affair. They're also two married people. Uh, and then we see a younger couple played by uh, Emma Roberts and Luke Bracey who are uh, at a wedding and he screws up pretty bad and she just about breaks up with him. And I'm watching and I'm like, okay, we're going to see these three different stories. And then that stops and Richard Gere goes home and his wife is Diane Keaton. And then William H. Macy goes home and his wife is Susan Sarandon. And... Then the young couple, when they break up, they go back to their parents, and it turns out their parents are these two couples. So once I figured out what was going on, I thought, oh, this is going to get good. Yeah. And I was very pleased to see that it did. I thought it was really, I, I don't use this word very often, it was cute. It's not groundbreaking, it's not... It's not trying to be anything other than what it is, which is a fairly cute little love story. This movie was an absolute delight. I was just charmed by the movie. And the funny thing, there's a, so much I want to say about this movie in the fact that 
this movie is at the same time cheesy, but on the opposite side, cynical. It's like both of the things I like in one. And sometimes I find Woody Allen kind of rides that that wave as well. But yeah, I couldn't believe all this. You know, actually, I hate ensemble movies like um, Valentine's Day because uh -huh. most of the time they don't really come together. You just see these annoying couples on their separate journeys. And even when you said the synopsis, you know, it's not really a spoiler. You know, it, I, I found it actually a breath of fresh air that they all got together and it was a big entanglement. But the thorough line was the two younger actors and what they were kind of going through. But yeah, this movie, um, I really enjoyed it. It's really funny. It's cynical, but it's hopeful. It's cheesy, but it's clever. And um, the director is a TV, absolute TV legend. I might have been um, uh, familiar with Michael Jacobs' work as a teen because he did a lot of kind of teen TV shows. Like, if you look at just looking at the list of them, Boy Meets World is probably the biggest one, you know. And I, I know Boy Meets World got a sequel, Girl Meets World. I don't know if he actually had anything to do with that. According to Wikipedia, I don't think he did. But either way, Boy Meets World is a, a series that many people adore, as many uh, many others. But this is his first directorial feature film um, debut. But this was based off a play called Cheaters that he wrote as well. And he said he slightly tweaked this movie to be a little bit more lighthearted. And he wanted it to focus more on the, the married side, the older couples as well. And I found that refreshing as well. Because again, when I see these ensemble casts of Valentine's Day, it's all these young couples and these stupid misunderstandings. But one of the things I really appreciated um, about this film, it seems to be a lot about passing wisdom down, you know. And uh, maybe it's not wisdom they all agree on, but they're going through life, their love lives. Some of it has come apart. Some of it is like finding a second wind. And, you know, they're speaking from a very retrospective um, point of view as well. And I bought it, man. I thought it was very earnest. It, it It's cheesy as well. But I, I looked at these people, these characters, as lived people, given the experience, you know, both sides. Not all of it was positive. Some of it was negative. But, you know, they were well-versed well and well-experienced in their, their life stories. And it was funny. It was kind of heartbreaking. And it was charming. And, you know, I could gush about all the actors. But there's one thing I, I do want to... Being a Woody Allen fan, there's one thing I want to pose to you. But yeah, first of all, I am in complete agreement with you, James. Really enjoyed this movie. And my sister was like, you guys do Woody Allen podcast, right? This will be right up your alley. And I agree. I don't think Woody would have made it quite so cute, but it deals with infidelity, which is a thing Woody deals with, you know, in his movies constantly. So I do think that the basic structure of the movie and the plot is something he absolutely would have done. I think he would have stripped it of its... Uh, a lot of its sentimentality but definitely uh, at the same time I didn't mind the sentimentality I thought that it there were you know there are weak links in the movie and we can talk about that uh, coming up but I thought it was pretty solid overall mm -hmm. I mean I was surprised by it which was really nice it was nice to watch a movie and go I don't know what's happening and where this is going. And for me to actually have like a, a, a be surprised by the ending because the ending isn't happy for everybody. Yeah. So yeah, it was, I do. I think that there are definitely something, I think Woody would have probably made a better movie out of this, mm. but for what it is, which is a lightweight, cute romantic comedy. It is one of the better ones that we've watched on this podcast. Yeah, and it's short. It's one hour and a half. I mean, yeah. tick, tick, tick. I mean, wow. Um, the cast, we'll get into the cast as well. Let's start with the Queen herself, Diane Keaton, which I've got a clip. Someone interviewed her. I think it was on Collider podcast. They did a few roundtable interviews. But I couldn't get a really good clip, but Diane Keaton is just great. I mean, you always just have that light energy fun she's really funny i feel bad for her i won't get into why at the end and i i i don't like where the ending goes for her 
just because I think she deserves better. <laughs> yeah. But look at me getting all wrapped up in the story too much. But she's absolutely dying Keaton. She is dying Keaton. If that's a rating, how's that for a rating? She's dying Keaton. That's, that's all you have to say. Which means phenomenal. I love her. You know, she eats up the scenes that she's in, but she doesn't overshadow anyone. She compliments everyone she works with. And that's always been her way throughout her whole career. You know, um, William H. Macy is the MVP for me. Absolutely. It's just because 100% agree. everything he says is tinged with a bitterness, a comedic bitterness that just absolutely floored me. You yeah. know, it was so earnest, but so bitter and so true. And he was just trying to help. It, I mean, just the lines that he had was great. Now, Susan Sarandon is phenomenal in this as well. She's great. Um, Richard Gere. Okay. 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 He's doing a weird accent. Yeah. Which I found distracting. Yeah. I didn't really hear it, but to be perfectly honest, you one of my again, I think people might disagree with me. When I watched this movie, I watched this like three times. Not because uh-huh. I loved it, just because I watched it once with my girl, once with my own, and once for the podcast. And I just thought, you know what? Regarding Woody Allen, him as a person specifically. I would have loved him in Richard Gere's role. I would have yeah. really... Oh, every line he gave, I saw Woody Allen giving it. And the dynamic between him and Diane Keaton would have been different enough that I actually would have... Been, it would have been the reunion movie that I really would have liked to see them do, you know? Mm. Um, but obviously, would, no one wants to work with Woody Allen in the US right now for, you know... Well, for, I think Diane Keaton would. Yeah. But none and of the cast would. Even said she would. Yeah, definitely. But none of the other cast would. And if, you know, all that controversy wasn't there, I think they would. I think he might have been um, a pay, uh, auctioned for this. I think they might have chosen him. And I think he, it would have been a great, like, tie-in for the Woody Diane Keaton, um, you know, love affair that's been going on that everyone wants to see again that we probably wouldn't. But I thought this was a prime movie. It would have been perfect. Um, but Richard is okay. He's okay. He's okay. He's not bad at it. But yeah. he, he, compared to the other three, he's he's definitely the one that's. And it, for me, again, I I don't know why he was doing the accent. It was almost like the accent he had in Chicago, and yeah. um, he, you're you're right about the ending. I mean, he is kind of a creep in the movie, but the movie wants us to like him, and. I mean, we can get into the ending later, but yeah. I almost kind of wish that the outcomes for the two couples had been reversed. 100%. And the thing is, I appreciate that he didn't do that because that's actually the route I think Woody Allen would have taken. That's mm. why I kind of appreciated it, but it left a sour taste in my mouth. But that's life. And that's yeah. what this movie's trying to tell you that, you know, love is, you know, love is everything. It can be straightforward. It can be complicated. It can be betrayed and stuff like that. So it's kind of sad. Now the other two actors, um, Emma uh, look, Emma Roberts and Luke Gracie, they're fine as well. But their performance came more stage play for me for some reason. Like, I knew it was a play as soon as their lines were executed. You know, something about their delivery felt just staged, really staged. <laughs> I'm not trying to make a pun, but I just no. it, it just felt a bit eh, a bit too. I don't know. It just felt like, okay, this is definitely a play. The way these guys are doing the lines. All the other actors, I just thought that they were just hitting it out of the park. Natural, fluent. But um, they're, they're fine, to be honest with you. They're kind of the crux of the whole movie as well. Um, But all the characters, all the older characters working around them, and they bring it up. If the movie was just yeah. about these two, I don't think it would be anything special. Well, and it's actually one of my problems with it, is there those the two younger actors, they are fine, but they are generic, pretty people. Yes, exactly. And I would never buy that Luke Bracey was William H. Macy's son. Uh, I could have bought that him as Richard Gere's son, but mm. I also felt like the movie went pretty safe because, uh, you know, Emma Roberts is the daughter of Diane Keaton, Richard Gere. And on the outside, they look like the perfect married couple. And so she is very pro-marriage. She wants to get married. 
And Luke Bracey is the son of William H. Macy and Susan Sarandon, who basically hate each other and yeah. you know, haven't haven't been in love probably for the entire time that they raised him because he's very cynical about love. He's very like especially about marriage. He's like, I get, we get married and everything would fall apart and we'll hate each other and and you know, the drama becomes her demanding to get married, which was a thing I had a bit of a problem with. Um, and him going and his fear of getting married. And yeah, they're just two very they're again generic, pretty people who are having a generic movie fight. And the older couples and their interactions with their spouses and their the people that they've cheated with is far more interesting yeah. than anything that happens with the young couple. I didn't care if they got together or not. In fact, I think you could have, the movie goes happy ending with it. I think you could have gone a little bit more cynical with it. Yeah. You could, you know, I, and I'm not spoiling anything. The, the movie's poster tells you the outcome of it, which is they get married. Mm. And um, I think you could have had it be like, Emma Roberts gives him this ultimatum. You've got 24 hours to decide to marry me or we're going to break up. And then they could realize like, oh, our parents have like been cheating on each other. And then Emma Roberts goes, never mind, I'm on your side. Let's just never get married. You could have gone a little bit more cynical with it, which could have been funny. Uh, they decide to go again, sweet and cutesy. And as far as the outcome of the, with the, the two young people, I didn't, I didn't care. 100% agree. 100% agree. Um, I'm going to play the first clip and it's a clip from the movie. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. And again, it's from the MVP, William H. Macy. It's a four minute clip. And, you know, I think everything William H. Macy says in this movie is just delivered so well. It's so fun. And, um, I actually want to, um, reply to what you said about what happened to him because I got a little rant on that myself. <laughs> but that kind of goes outside the scope of the movie a little bit. But it, I think it does answer your question a little bit. But anyway, let me play the first clip and then we will go from there. I thought you were happy with her. I am happy with her. I'm happy with her every moment we're together, but that's not enough for her. She she wants me to be happy with her in the future. I think that sounds romantic. <laughs> I think it's science fiction. All right. Why are you happy with her now? She's the first person I want to talk to about anything that happens to me. Aw. Well, then why do you want that to change? Why would it change? Because when you change the relationship, the relationship changes. I said that to her. He said that to her. This boy that we made applied sound logic. And what did she say? She wants me to jump off a cliff with her. Oh. I mean, is there value in that? In holding someone's hand and closing your eyes? She's... Traditional, Alan. You know, a perky believer in the happily ever after, which is strange because I thought she was quite intelligent and aware of the world in which she actually lives. Hey, Monica. But you may have found the last woman on earth who assumes a happy ending. Hey, Monica. Would you make us a pot of coffee? I'm sorry. What did you say to me? Because, you know, it's late and we're not thinking clearly. And what could be more important than this? Please make coffee. Alan, would you tell your father how offensive that is? Because I am standing here talking to my son about his future. I said, please, I use polite and cordial words. Well, I'm not finished talking to him. I'll tell you what, why don't you go in the kitchen and you make the coffee, and then by the time you come back, I will have set him on the proper path, and then you can talk to him as long as you want. I tell you what, how about you get your ass in the kitchen and make a pot of coffee, or I pick you up and throw you right the fuck out the window. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Dad? She's confused by my show of strength. We've got like a minute. Alan, this girl loves you. I don't care what you think in your youth and indecision. She loves you. How does someone know that? How do I know if I love her? You don't have to. Love is just a word we've attached to describe a feeling we won't really understand until we're old enough to look back on it. And wonder if we ever did. What? <laughs> do you love me? Yes, I do. Why? Because I do. Why? 
Because you've cared for me. You've seen my well-being. Why? Maybe if you ask me a different Why? question. Why? Because Al. you're my father. Yes. That's it. That's right. That's all. I'm your father. And that's what we've got. We've got mothers and fathers. We've got parents and children. And I, I dedicated myself to you. We've grown up together. And you've made me proud. But, Alan, I didn't choose you. You were given to me. You're not a choice that I made. But uh, what if you were? What if we didn't know each other and we saw each other on the street? Would there be some sort of pull between us that made you know this is my father? Would I know this is my son? Or would I walk away and not give you a second thought? But the doctor said, this one is yours. Take him home. And I understood that relationship completely. But to go out and choose someone for the rest of time without the benefit of a doctor saying, this one's yours, take her home. What kind of a responsibility is that for a person? I've never thought about it like that. I think about it all the time. Alan, look what this girl has done. She's made herself vulnerable for you. And don't worry about if you love her now. It takes a lifetime to love someone. It's the thing we most aspire to because no one has ever figured it out until one night you wake up and you know everything's okay because she's the one lying next to you. Is that what happened to you? We're talking about you. <laughs> now, uh, Michael Jacobs, th that's his script. And again, mm -hmm. it can be seem as hokey and, you know, overly lovely, but... There's some wisdom into what he's saying. And, you know, Michael Jacobs, I think he's putting that wisdom in this play, in this movie. And, you know, I think it's it's really done well. It was really great. And again, it's a bit maybe the overly earnest, even sacred, if you call it. But I believe it, man. It makes sense. I think it's great wisdom in general, even if it's coming from a movie. And it was well written. And William H. Macy executes that very well. He's the most real and believable in the entire movie, for sure. And the most likable. Well, I love Susan Sarandon. She's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And, and the execution of that is amazing. Funny enough, another side note, you know, when I saw her in, you know, let's talk about terrible Warner Brothers for a minute and DC. When I saw her as one of the villains in Blue Beetle, I actually said, what the fuck? <laughs> uh. But she executed it well enough. She's, you know, a good actor or actress can elevate any material. And you know what? Seeing her playing the villainess in that just shows again. She can do other stuff. She can she can do drama out of, you know, like it's nothing. But just seeing her in a superhero movie playing a villain, she did really well. You know, she's obviously got a legacy of great work. I don't even want to begin to go over her work. And again, she's a big fan of Woody Allen, by the way. She's out. Um, well, actually. <laughs> no, am I wrong? Did I, did I miss call? You are incorrect. Well, oh, least, no. I, she may have been at one time, but I saw an interview with her. Uh, this is a few years ago go where she said she would never work with woody allen because he was a child molester okay well i guess that quote i found online was pulled from a um an old time at the time she said she really likes the way woody allen writes women and the complexity of women but again you know in life two things can be true she could have said that in the past and now yeah she believes the child molester even though all the evidence points to the you know the absolute opposite anyway yep. uh, that's another one <laughs> another one back to dust um but honestly james um i've got one more clip but this is kind of a short and sweet one for me it was honestly a delightful surprise um i don't think there was and there was one more thing i wanted to bring up but i, I guess i'll bring it up after i play the clip but yeah, it's 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 you can see it's a play, especially after the two younger actors are, are executing their lines. But honestly, it's a good combination of cynicism and saccharine and you know wisdom, and it's fun and it's short. Yeah, my personal favorite scene in the entire movie uh, actually was, and I, it belongs to Richard Gere and Richard Gere alone, which is he leave Susan Sarandon, they checked into a hotel together, and he's at a restaurant uh, to just get a cup of coffee. And he's watching this young couple who are just all over each other. 
and they're being adorable and, you know, uh, they're flirting and kissing and, you know, playing with each other. And he's just watching and smiling. And the waitress comes up, you know, she comments on what, you know, watching them too. And, and he just says, I'll never have that again. And it's sad and it has a very good payoff at the end of the movie, which again, I would say getting into just a little bit of spoiler territory here, but block out I, your ears. If you don't want to hear it, guys, block out your ears. <laughs> One minute. Um, again, I, the, like I said, the movie's poster spoils the fact that the couple ends up getting married. But um, Diane Keaton and Richard Gere stay together and their romance is renewed. Susan Sarandon and William H. Macy break up. I would have really loved it if it had been switched. Yeah. If at some point Susan Sarandon realizes what a bitch that she has been to her husband... And he realizes that he really, that she's the love of his life. And Diane Keaton had said to Richard Gere, you cheated on me, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and they broke up. And maybe it could have been a, 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 an extra sad ending for Richard Gere where maybe, because uh, at the end of the movie, he's, he starts making out with Diane Keaton the way that the young couple he was watching did. If William H. Macy and Susan Sarandon had been making out and he ended up watching them and realizing he screwed up so bad and he never will have that again. It would have been, it, it still would have been the same outcome. It would have been a happy ending for one couple and a not happy ending for another. But I felt like Richard Gere, who is, as much as Susan Sarandon is a bitch, we almost forgive her easier. Yeah. Because apparently she's been cheating on William H. Macy forever. Yeah, yeah, from the beginning. A variety of men. And he just has a comment of like, I just accepted it at some point. I, I do like their dynamic, especially because they both have valid points and neither of them ever concedes. Like, you know, she'll be like, well, you stopped uh, showing me affection and you stopped, you know, uh, uh, I had to go and look for that elsewhere. And he was like, the fact that you went and looked for it elsewhere is why I stopped. And so there's no, like, they don't sit down and have a heart-to-heart. -heart. It's just they don't like each other. And at the end of the movie, they're like, fuck it, let's get divorced. And I appreciated that it wasn't happy endings all around. I just mm -hmm. think it would have been a better ending to have swapped the outcomes for the couples. I think you've already answered the whole, you know, the thing we do about what would Woody have done are you proposing that's probably what you would have done? Is that what you're saying? I think it is. I th I think, you know, if like a movie you could compare this to is Hannah and her sisters, mm -hmm. where, you know, Michael Caine doesn't really get a happy ending. Everybody else kind of does, but Michael Caine doesn't. Mm -hmm. He's still confused and lost. He's still pining for Barbara Hershey. Uh, Mia Farrow is none the wiser. But everybody else has a happy ending. And you could have done that here. I, I like, they, here's, here's like my one and only complaint. Look up the movie's poster. Because I was curious about this. Because like after the movie was over, I was like, I bet I can imagine this movie's poster in my head. And it will be exactly what I'm thinking of. And it sure enough was. It looks mm. like generic romantic yep. comedy. Yep. With just still image like headshots of the big name actors in it. And it is basically generic romantic comedy. It's very good at being generic romantic comedy. It's a very enjoyable movie. If you'd wanted to go a little bit deeper, which is I think what Woody would have done, Woody, I think, could have made this one of his classics. I think so too. I do. I agree. I really do agree. On that note, um, let's play the last clip I got, which is Collider interviewing Diane Keaton. Now, there's something I think she either misheard or intentionally doesn't say that I want to also get into. Because the question that um, the interviewer asked her is one that she rightly deserves to ask. So let's hear this clip and then we'll talk about that and kind of wrap up on something else I want to get into as well. So let's have a listen to this clip first. 
What is it about Grace and about this movie that appealed to you, that that drew you to it? Uh, being anxious a lot, you know, sitting in the movie theater by yourself and you, you know, and that's kind of me in a way, you know, and it's harder to connect, I think, for some people, you know, so that really it was, I love that opening for that. And then um, it changes with the, the movie changes with time and it's kind of great because she has an opportunity to develop into something more free-spirited as opposed to be anxious or did you agree with that i did i did i also really liked that um of, of all of the parents in the movie she sort of also felt like the most hopeful in terms of love like she had the the most positive I it. yeah yeah speaking of rom-coms and i guess romance generally um you are such a staple of the genre and i want to know what is it about this kind of story if that's not your outlook generally then what is it about this kind of story that resonates so much um, you know, for me, it's, I have to feel like I'm just, it's usually pretty much I'm doing me, <laughs> but, but then I'm in these situations that are really wonderful. Like I love the theater. I love the walk and talk after the theater. I love, um, you know, scenes with the, uh, where there was the big fight scenes and I just enjoy it. I just really enjoy it. You know, I, I went to, I went to acting school when I was young, the Neighborhood Playhouse with Sandy Meisner, who is like, he really did give me so much. And now, you know, these things happen in our lives. Sometimes we get lucky like that, you know, and sometimes you don't. And I, he was really the reason that I have the opportunity to start and begin to act in scenes on stage. You know, I was in hair. You don't want to right. Oh yeah, give me down to their hair. I mean, you can imagine <laughs> me singing that. It was ridiculous, but it was great because it was the first time I was ever on a stage in New York, ever. So it's been a really interesting life regarding that, the work and how it, it changes with time and what you do at one time, maybe you let it go and you move on. So of your body of work then, if somebody were coming to your work for the first time, where would you suggest they start? You know, it, it all depends on them. You know, it's how do they, um, I guess, you know, for the most part, we all have to audition. So it's all about mm -hmm. that audition. And I remember that audition that I had my first audition, which was like blew me out of the ballpark because so many people were doing, oh, I felt so bad. And we were all nervous and anxious. And But on you go, right? You go on yeah. because it means something to you because you really do like it. I agree. You I think you that, Are you an actress yourself? I'm not. I'm a writer. You're a writer. So, okay. I'm a writer. <laughs> so I do, I do feel the push, but yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, James, because I thought at the end the lady asked her if someone was introduced to your body of work, what would you start? And then she went on about an audition. I was like, was that, was she sidestepping the question or? I, I don't think she really, she, it sounded like she was either not paying attention or if she was worried about talking about Woody Allen, um, that's what I thought, and I hope that's not the case. But because she could always say the Godfather, so I mean, in terms of a question to the uh, the rom -com genre, I think we both know there's only one answer. There isn't a more iconic romantic comedy than Andy Hall. Uh huh. And. I, I hope that that wasn't what she was doing because she has defended Woody many times. Oh, more than anybody else. Yes. More than anybody um, else. So I would hope that that's what it was and not her just not knowing how to answer. Because it really, it sounded to me like she wasn't, either wasn't paying attention or wasn't understanding what she was yeah, being asked. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to get her and catch her in the line. Oh, is she now against Woody? No, I I know in my heart of hearts, she is vehemently a support of Woody Allen from head to toe i just thought it was like okay that was a weird one because you know I, i'm not gonna lie again because i'm a woody fan i love to hear as much support as i can for my boy you know yeah so and i know she's been asked that question to death to be yeah. fair she's always asked that question where would you start it's an obvious answer but i was like oh, okay but anyway i'm not even gonna say i'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt i believe she just didn't quite hear that or something anyway that's completely irrelevant she is the reason why I brought that clip up is because, you know, I'm glad everyone recognizes her as the iconic rom-com queen that she is. But, you know, rom-coms are on different levels. I hate, I kind of hate the term rom-com because it's just like when someone says cartoon. 
you associate yeah. the word cartoon for kids. When you hear the word romcom, you kind of associate with trash. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's just me. When the films that she's always done and the rom-coms that she's done in like the mid-2000s, they're great. Yeah. They're really good. The one that, um, I can't remember the one she with Jack Nicholson and Keanu Reeves. Uh, I can't remember is it, that. Is it called Something's Gotta Give? Something's Gotta Give, exactly. I love that movie. I think it's a great movie. I think I saw, I don't remember if I saw that or not. If I did, it was way back when it came out. Yeah, and she's, you know, she's a she's an actor that just works and works and works and works and works. But um, going back to the movie itself again, I'm there's not much to say. And again, with the good movies, the movies that we really enjoy, this tends to happen. We don't have that much to say. The biggest crime against this movie is that no one's ever heard of it. <laughs> yeah. From what I can see, and... The you know the movie cycle that we live in with you know as we say as everyone's I know this is getting tired by the way the superhero genre is just drowning out every other movie and everyone only what it's a fact in a way people like spectacle more than anything else all of these middle of the road middle of the road movies that with low budgets and just dramas or just rom coms they're not really in right now so I'm not surprised that we never even heard of this well. My hope is, because as of uh, when we are recording this, the Marvels just came out and completely tanked. And my hope is, is that, because between that and Indiana Jones and, uh, like, basically every single superhero movie this year has flopped. Yes, no matter who it's from. Yeah, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is the only one that broke even, but everything else has flopped. Yeah. My hope is is that studios are about to go, okay, you know what? How about instead instead of spending half a billion dollars every time we put out a movie, why don't we take that half a billion dollars and make six movies? Yeah. And, you know, we can make an action movie for $50 million. We can make a romantic comedy for $25 million and just start putting out, like, smaller movies with good actors giving good performances and I think that you will you will see a resurgence of people going to the theater to watch these things. I myself have not like the last movie I saw in a theater was Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, you saw that? Wow. How did you, I did, you feel and about I was, that? I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I've got choices right now. My choice is a four hour Martin Scorsese movie mm. that looks like it's got amazing performances in it and i have skipped every marvel movie for the last two years <laughs> so well i have not I, <laughs> I i i actually watch i'm a you know to be honest with you, i like spectacle to be honest with you because i you know there's, there's a popcorn superficial side of me it just likes these movies I, I like spectacle too but when everything is spectacle then it i know stops being spectacular sure sure 100 agree Superhero fatigue is real, and everything you can have too much of anything. And right now, I think people are fed up. I watched the Marvels and I thought it was fine. I was actually expected to hate that movie because I wasn't a big fan of Captain Marvel one at all. I thought that movie mm. was did not deserve a billion dollars. Did not just I think because it was placed between the two big Marvel movies, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, it just kind of skated along. But the Marvels was okay. But you know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. It's okay. People are fed up. Fed up. And even Blue Beetle, which I mentioned before, it was fine. It was nothing special. But, oh, it's a disaster. It's just people are sick and tired of superhero movies. And now, this movie I saw on Amazon, you know, as part of my Amazon Prime membership, I got to stream it. I was surprised. I'm like, wow, all these actors? And, you know, it was a delight. And it just makes me wonder. And that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast because I really have to dig in the weeds because there are, I know, a lot of independent films made by actors we don't know doing really great work, but they are trounced out by all of the labels, um, the studios that have bigger budgets to market these superhero movies or these blockbusters. And we have to, you have to do your research now. And there's a lot of websites that will help you. There's a lot of sites that, you know, will help you even AI. You can even use, and I use AI to help me find okay. films now. You know, why not? Because really, that's the only way you're really going to find these kind of movies again, which is sad. Yeah. Well, and this could have been, I, I'm, this got to 
theatrical release, I'm assuming. It seems like the kind of movie now that they would just dump on Netflix. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Nobody would really even know that it had come out. Yep. But it did get a theatrical release, I think. And the critics didn't like it. Really? Uh, you know what? Oh, my bad, James. Can you tell us the Rotten Tomorrow's and IMDb scores? Just out of interest, I always like to see what they are. Um, yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes score is 35%. Both sides? Or is that just the um, audience score and the critic score? That's just the uh, critic score. It doesn't I'm not seeing the audience score here, but yeah, yeah it's it's basically the the consensus is it's just a subpar rom com. That's a shame. That's a shame because I think it's a cut above the rest. And again, I don't want to overpraise it, but I do think it's I think it's um the way it's marketed. The way you again you see that cover, you're gonna just think it's trash. You're gonna think it's another Valentine's Day with older actors. When I think it's a lot more, it's got a lot more substance to it. Which is, yeah. you know, a shame. Or like one of those awful, because Diane Keaton does also a lot of those awful old lady comedies now. She does. She does. So you could look at, no, oh, Diane Keaton and Susan Sarandon. Uh, that's That must be what this is. It's another, uh, whatever. I don't watch those movies, so I can't think of a title for any of them. Oh. I can picture the posters in my head, though, and they all look terrible. I mean, I know... The Babysitter's Club is a 90s movie, but, you know, when I saw that, and I think she's in that as well. I think Diane Keaton's in that, isn't she? I well, never saw it. Yeah, just just titles like that. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to watch this. But one thing, one other thing before we wrap up this discussion on this movie, Diane Keaton said is that I think, I, I'm going to extrapolate a little bit. She says she kind of always plays herself. And yeah. I, I kind of agree, but with some actors... The charisma they the charisma they have is so good and they just act so well, it never bothers me. And she's one of those actors. Except for there's one thing, which is, and I get this feeling every time I see her in any movie, pretty much ever going all the way back to uh Annie Hall. I think she always dresses herself. Yeah, she does. And <laughs> somebody needed to tell her that her pants did not need to be up <laughs> almost high. to her chin. Yeah. Um yeah, it when she was when you know she was younger in, in Annie Hall, it was adorable. Now it's sort of like, oh, those are some grandma pants. I know, I know. And uh, and we and we need to wrap this up because I got a I got a question I want to ask you, which is not related to this movie, which is something someone I've been I've kind of percolated on something. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, check out the movie. Highly recommended. Pleasant surprise. I got to see it on Amazon stream if you can. And the last, last, last thing I want to say is Netflix are really good at promoting these kind of movies. Amazon, not as much. Netflix is the only, well, I don't know if I call them a studio, but I guess they are. They're the only studio that when they make romantic comedies, I hear about them. Like I watched um, Always Be My Maybe and they're pretty good. Even Jayla, a lot of actors have flocked to Netflix to do these lower kind of rom-coms, these dramas, and you hear about them. Netflix is the only one that do good promotion on these kind of movies. Not even Amazon, they fund a lot of them, and they've even got a lot of Oscar-nominated movies that have done well, but I never hear about them unless I find out some roundabout way that it was an Amazon movie. Yeah, Amazon's not great about it. I mean... It's one of the reasons I don't really use Amazon Prime all that much is yeah. just because of the fact that unless it's a big deal like Rings of Power, they don't really put much marketing behind anything. And so you just end up with a bunch of things nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. So, Even though The Boys and Invincible, again, massive superhero properties that Amazon promote, it's still it's Amazon. It's kind of like, eh. But yeah. then I don't want to go on and on about it because I want to ask this question. James liked it. I liked it check it out and uh, my sister thank you for the recommendation now let's move on to my question which is related to the question we get all the time james all the all the all the time and i just want to kind of give you an update on a thought i had so we get this question a lot it's probably the number one question we get is will we ever re-review all the movies from scratch and we've discussed it we've also said you know we need to come with a new angle and i was talking to someone and I thought of one. It's not the biggest angle, but it does give me interest to do it. 
Now, I've also said I would rather wait till Woody Allen passes. Now, he's a quite old man. Yeah. I don't want to sound morbid or anything, but it just seems a bit more poignant to reflect on his filmography again. And one thing Woody Allen says that I agree with, he says that he never watches his old work. When I listen to the old podcast that I did with Simon, I don't like them. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Not because of Simon. He was a great co-host. It's just because... I talk far. I have a lot. I just kind of hating on myself a little bit, and I could do a better job. Apart from all the hate I've gotten on those old episodes, I could do a better job. So I'm. I am looking forward to doing like a a better take on those discussions. But anyway, let me get to the point I'm trying to get to. So James, the idea that someone kind of floated to me. I was talking to someone. Have you ever watched the movie, James? And again, they do this in the studios. And I actually, I'll, I'll put this in a way that's actually a bit more fun. You have a movie, James. You have an idea for a movie, yeah? You yeah. go to the studio. They read it. It's your heart that you put your heart into it, James. You love it. You love the book. You love the script. You take it to the studio. And they read, they read the script and they say, it's good, but we want to go a different way with this. There's something in the script we like. Why don't we go that direction? Uh -huh. So what I'm saying to you is sometimes I watch a Woody Allen movie and I feel like there was another direction it could have gone. You know, the other route. Like sometimes you'll see a character and you'll be like, if the movie was going to go in another direction, what if it went in that direction instead of that direction? We kind of spoke about in this movie, we spoke about what if they swapped the couples that broke up, something like that. And I feel like when we discuss the movies again, I want to highlight the thing, the, the other direction I feel the movie could have gone in. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's just a string of an idea I have. What do you think? I think there's potential there. Um, I'm definitely, there's, especially with that, there was an awkward period post-deconstructing Harry, pre-Midnight in Paris, where... There was a lot of Woody Allen movies where he was putting himself into them and they didn't didn't always feel like he was the best fit. Mm. And it also felt like very throwaway ideas. So that would be, yeah, that period of time especially, I could see saying, okay, what if? <laughs> and you say you don't like Marvel Studios. What if it's a series that they make? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. But there a ding, I'll put that in the sound effect. Um, but James, and there's one more wrinkle I want to put on this that actually, because I thought that was a pretty basic, it's nothing special, I thought it was a basic idea, but with the writer's strike and the actor strike, a lot of it has been talking about AI. For example, you know how they're using AI to create, that the, uh, they're modeling the characters in AI and maybe they'll, you know, a lot of extras will lose work because now they can use CGI and AI to create a likeness of people. And a lot of the contractual stuff I'm hearing is that the studios really want to rely on AI a lot, you know, and actors, physical actors are very upset about this and not just talking about the physical aspect of creating the, you know, the, the CGI characters, but from the scripting perspective, they're using AI to write scripts. And I'm hearing a lot of stuff about them being half decent. And that's something else I thought if we, the way AI is developing right now, you AI can write scripts. <laughs> yeah. And I actually wonder, that's something I always want to play with. If we fed it the script of whatever Annie Hall and we told it to do something different with it, like we, let's just say, I mean, you found an angle that mm -hmm. we thought it could go in and we just tell AI to do it and see what AI come up with. I think it would be funny to see what it would do as well. I mean, I don't think that it's the AI is to this level at least that it's been available to uh, the public but i heard a story about they were testing ai this was probably a couple of years ago and they decided to do the uh han solo uh scene in the first star wars movie where he uh shoots greedo yeah first who shot first <laughs> yeah but they took him out and they put tom cruise in mm. and so you, so you would think what it would be is it would just be a face swap and maybe like uh, lay over Tom Cruise's voice. But what the AI did was it made it a Tom Cruise performance. Mm. So the scene went on 
like longer or shorter, depending on like how Tom Cruise would have performed it, which I thought was very interesting. Mm. Um, I don't know if if that kind of technology is available to the public yet, but um, not to the public. Yeah, but it would be interesting to see with some of these ideas uh, at some point if we could actually make them a reality. <laughs> but James, the studio are actively developing these softwares. They're actively doing it <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. That's all what we're hearing. I find it in some people are on the fence about it. like, for example, audio cloning right now is so big right now. People are cloning and this is software that's freely available right now. You can clone, uh-huh. you can, you, all you need to do, for example, Woody Allen's got that audio book, right? A, yeah. a propose of nothing. If you get an hour of his voice and give it to an AI voice cloner and you just, you can just basically create scripts of Woody Allen's voice to say, you know, again, in the darkest timeline, yes, I did that horrible thing everyone thinks I did in his yeah. voice. And right now, obviously there's all these laws about copyright AI laws, about cloning, because well, they, they even, my girlfriend is a stand up comedian and she has told me mm. that they are offering um, comedians, like, we will pay you to have your voice in perpetuity for, forever. Yes. And a lot of, a lot of people are like, they're, they're not off, even offering much money. It's just like, hey, here's $5,000. Let us have and own your voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's all this this AI thing is crazy. And I really wish, going back to Woody Allen as a, a writer, I really wish he would do something with it. Now I know Woody Allen is just stuck in his rut. He does his thing, he does his same kind of stories. It would never happen. But if if somehow he wraps his head around it, I'm asking too much. I already know this by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it would be so interesting if somehow just even the fear of AI, something he doesn't understand, if he made it into a story somehow, into a comedic story, not a serious one. I watched the movie The Creator. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's uh-huh. an AI. That's an AI horror film, if you want to call it that or whatever. But yeah. And I'm going off on a whole tangent about AI. But I've got all these ideas. AI is really becoming uh, a big deal with in terms of creative fields everywhere. It's just really starting to percolate. Even what a Google are doing with Google Bard, which is the free one, you'll be really surprised what you can do. You'll be really surprised, let alone open AI, chat GPT and all the other stuff. But I'm a tech guy. I'm a tech head. I'm always looking at this stuff. So sorry, James, if I just bored you for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> no, I mean, I look, the, uh, I, I am simultaneously fascinated and terrified by AI. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I did see Terminator, so I know how this goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've oftentimes, I'll look at a, a, I remember Deconstructing Harry is the big one, where, you know, that was kind of right after the controversy, and that movie got really dark. And he didn't want to play Harry in it. And there's a whole list of people that he wanted, and maybe they were just, like, too scared of working with him, right? Although that movie did have an all-star cast, but... He wanted Robert De Niro in that part, or Al Pacino, or Bruce Willis. And uh, he only played the part eventually because he couldn't get any of them. I'd love to know what Deconstructing Harry would be like with Robert De Niro in it. It's possible now with AI. (laughs) Ten years from now, you'll just see AI movies. It's insane. Look, I wanted to use Woody Allen's voice because there's there's sites that you can just go. They've already got celebrity voices. I wanted to use Woody Allen's voice to tell some jokes and stuff like that. But there's already, there's, I don't want to step on anyone's toes because there's all these copyright and the parody laws haven't been, you know, ironed out yet. And some people might find it in bad taste. Some actors have already said they find it in bad taste. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to, even though it's just for fun, I don't think I'm going to even touch that right now. (laughs) Uh But 10 years from now, it's going to be a completely different fucking world, man. Oh, it's not even going to be 10 years. Uh, this is gonna. This is gonna be in the next couple of years. Sure, sure. I'm just saying, ten years because the whole world will look different. I mean, you're right. Oh yeah. The, the, this the, is this is basically the equivalent of when the internet. Was oh, created. one one hundred percent. This is equivalent to that. Just how. Ugh, don't even get me started. But anyway, I think we need to wrap up the show because I've got one more little thing I've been hinting at. 
And I will elaborate on this on the whole separate podcast that will be coming in the next... I think two weeks after you hear this recording, I should have that episode up. As well as James's episode where he does his top 10. But James and listeners, I've been working on something. And this has got to do with last year. So last year, a year ago, almost exactly, last year, December, we had a discussion on When Harry Met Sally. One of the most iconic rom-coms of all time and it was well received you know i actually thought as i said at the time i thought it was easy pickings for us to do such a big well-known movie when there's a lot of other smaller movies that are unknown that we can get into but it gave me an idea i said why you know woody allen and annie hall and there are articles about this annie hall seen as like the template of the of the great rom-com that a lot of directors and writers have kind of fed off and made all these other movies off so basically, I'm running with that. That's all I say for now. I'm going to ask you to do something for me, James. Uh-huh. I'm going to ask you to spin a wheel. Now, hold on. Let me let me just push this. Let me push this digital wheel right in front of you. All right. So the wheel's in front of you, James. I want you to spin that wheel. Okay, got it. I'm going to spin the wheel. You got a 10. You got the number 10. Now, I'm going to explain this more, but I'm going to tell you right now, James, because you picked the number 10, the next movie we're going to speak about is a movie called The California Suite. It was made in 1978. It stars Alan Alda and a lot of other people. And I will explain about the wheel and about everything else I'm doing in the next episode very mysterious (laughs) (laughs) you understand and this is going to be for the patrons as well james is going to be kept in the dark but if you're a patron to our show or if you well you have to be a patron to honest you i will put everything up on patreon but i will explain about it in the next episode of not woody actually which will be in about two weeks so yep so all you need to know is our next discussion is going to be on the california suite 1978 james have you ever heard about that movie i've never heard of it no Cool. It's an interesting movie, well acclaimed, a lot of actors, and that should be cool. So we're kind of done, James. Uh, Yeah, but I think you have an announcement as well, because I know it's something you're doing that I want to give you a plug for, James. What are you up to? What have you been up to lately? Uh, Well, we are nearing the the end of the rough cut for the Manic Expression movie, but the, the big immediate news right now is that I am launching a new podcast on the youtube channel hey it will be called uh age before beauty it will be me and my co-host carly niska and for once i actually get to do a podcast where i'm sitting next to the person while i do it Uh, it'd be (laughs) a little bit hard for don and i to do it but yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um we were the the discussion uh will revolve around carly is younger than me and the discussion will revolve around us watching uh, classic movies and television shows and how we view those things considering our age difference. So we recorded the first one. Uh, I'm releasing a clip, the clips of it. Uh, the whole episode will be released uh, after I've released some clips, gotten some uh, buzz for it. And yeah, we're both really excited. The first episode came out really well. Amazing. So I will put any link you want for me to, or whichever one's available public, I'll put a link to that in the description. But when you go live and it's out there properly, I'll also be promoting the podcast because I think it's a great idea. And me being a lover of film, and I've watched these kind of things on YouTube, I think the React channel does a lot of this kind of stuff. Not the same as what you're doing, but just, you know, young people watching those movies, yay! Some of it's cringy, (laughs) but you guys... Uh, I kind of, I, I, I feel, I like both of you guys. Now, I haven't heard Cardi much, but you're a very, not just a learned man, but I like the way you think and I like the way you talk. So I'm actually looking really forward to it. So I'm very much happy to plug that. And uh, that's why I wanted to put a, a spotlight on that for you. Well, thank you very much. Yes, we're both very excited for it. No worries at all. So I think that's all. I think we've wrapped up everything. 
Uh, James, where can the people reach you if they want to reach you, sir? Uh, I am always available at the Manic Expression YouTube channel, and my books are available on Amazon. Thank you very much. We've got a link tree link that has all the links to James's book. The new project he's doing will be there as well. Uh, was there anything else? I feel like I'm forgetting something, but yeah, stay tuned to the next episode of Not Woody Actually, where I catch up on everything, everything I'm alluding to. It's not, I'm making it a big deal than it actually is, but I'm having a little bit of fun of it. So join me on that one. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, we've got the comment section video. Anything you want to comment on on previous episodes, any tips behind there? You guys sent a lot of behind the scenes information. You've been doing it for years. If you leave a comment, please don't delete it. Let everyone see it, man. But, you know, I appreciate the comment if you leave it there anyway. We've got a Patreon. That's going to be in the Linktree link and everything else. But it's time to go. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next recording. <laughs>